0: Good morning. You know, I have to just have to say that I really appreciate all those that work in the healthcare industry and have to wear these masks constantly, because it is a killer. It is a killer. Well, I hope everyone's doing well today. I'm so excited to have the privilege to share God's word with you today. I hope all is well, and you know, if it's not, if there's anything on your heart that lays heavy, if there's anyone that's that's on your mind or on your heart that you want to lift up in prayer we're going to do that now uh, before we get started let's let's give it to god let's open up in prayer
1: heavenly father lord we
0: thank you that you are a good loving and giving god we thank you that you are the restorer of all things i pray lord god that you hear what's on our hearts what's on our minds lord that you speak directly to us fill us with your holy spirit lord god guide and direct us i pray that your word will be shared today lord god that you'll give a clear message for all those to hear. They'll continue to grow stronger. Just be strengthened in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So guys, as I get started today, I want to share with you a quick story. Uh, I picked up this story. It was told by Bishop Joseph Garlington during this year's Promise Keepers event. And it's just amazing how God works, how he plugs everything. I had kind of the idea uh, God had put on my heart for this sermon. When this story came about, or this, this story that the, he tells, it was just amazing how it worked so well. So I'll get started. All right, so there was a pastor, and he was trying to get his sermon written uh, for the next week ahead. And he had a young boy, and this boy really wanted to play football, wanted to play with his dad. So he was coming in, he was coming out of his office, back and forth. And all this commotion, uh, the pastor noticed on a piece of newspaper next to him, there was a picture of the globe. There was a picture of the world. And he said, you know what, I've got an idea. Next time my son comes in, I, I've got a challenge for him. So his son come, came in, and at a stroke of genius, he thought, he gave his son this proposition. He tore that picture of the globe into about 50 different pieces or so, handed it to his son and said, Hey, when you get this back together, tape it all back together, I will take some time, and we'll go outside and we'll play some football. Now, the pastor thought, I've got like 30 minutes or so. I've got some time to just sit back, relax, hear from God, and continue to write my sermon." Well, by five minutes later, his son runs in with this joyful squeal. He says, Dad, I got it done. I got the world put back together. He's like, okay, let's go take a peek. So he went and took a look, and sure enough, his son was able to put that world, the picture of the globe, back together. Now, when he asked his son, how did you do it so quickly? I'm really proud of you. How did you do this so quickly? He said, well, Dad, you know, it was pretty easy. because I flipped it over on the back side of that paper, there was a picture of a person. When I put that person back together, the world came back together. How cool is that? The story really got me thinking about our individual responsibility in bringing those pieces back together, to be that intricate piece in bringing this world back together. As you guys can see, I don't think you disagree with me, this, this world's in a bit of turmoil right now. Now, it's not that it hasn't been that way before, because we've dealt with things throughout history. right now, there's, there's just so much disgust. There's so much hurt. There's so much immaturity. And we can't reach out and make that different, right? But individually, we can do our part, ensuring that we're following through and we're living in a godly manner. And the worship today even fell right into place as well. Graves into gardens. God can turn any situation that we're dealing with and make beauty out of it, make beauty out of the ashes. So we evaluated how we live. If we looked at how we deal with conflict, how we respond to others in times of trouble, times of conflict, how can we put this world back together? How can individually we be that critical piece? I believe it's going to take a solid look at who we are in what we believe and how we act and speak towards others. We have to take a look at what's in our queue. So ask yourself, what's in your queue? Now, for those that are familiar with what a queue is, I'll explain if, if you're not. You may have heard it referenced as maybe favorites or from a website perspective, cookies. And by the way, I was very disappointed when I found out that internet cookies had nothing to do with Toll House. (laughs) Anyways. Well, queue is a list of movies or TV shows that fit with what you like. Kind of takes a look at what you viewed in the past and recommends what you should do or what you should watch in the future. On streaming and moving services, you may have seen an area that said recommended for you. Well, that's that's your cue, right? That's a cue, what you have in there. Based on what you've looked at in the past. Online you may have experienced an opportunity where you're you're looking up a certain item, maybe thinking of buying something. Well, the next thing you know, everywhere you go, there's an ad popping up for that item, right? Different types of items. That again would be part of your cue. So let's look at cues from our perspective. We all have our own cues or our go-to responses when we're in certain situations. Let's take that first step in bringing the world back together today by looking at our individual cues. To that, we're going to spend some time in the book of James. See, I, I think James, Jesus' half-brother, does a really good job of explaining how sometimes we act a certain way compared to how we probably really should in a Christ-like manner, a Christ-like way. So why don't you turn to me, guys, with, to James 1. We're going to start in verse 2 um, as I discuss our first cue. Kind of bounce around a little bit in James. Bear with me, Please. So the first cue of our favorites we're going to talk about is our faith cue. So what really happens when we're put to the test, when life seems to become just a little too much to handle? Do we run from it? Do we shut down? Do we turn to God in surrender, or do we turn to God in frustration? Do we lay it all at the feet of our Lord and God? I'm going to read from James 1. We're going to start in verse 2. It says, James says here, Consider it all joy, my brethren. When you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But then it says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach. It will be given to him, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. Without any doubting. For one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. God asks for complete faith, complete, undoubting trust. Now, James says consider it pure joy. Really? Joy? Through trials and tribulations? I don't remember feeling joy when my car tire blew out. Not sure there was a whole lot of joy when I was hurt by the words of another, what someone else had said to me. And I surely don't remember feeling joy earlier in life when I was not sure how I was going to pay my bills and support my family. But what if we look at those circumstances with full reliance on God? What if we look at this as a way in which our Father in Heaven is helping us persevere, to grow stronger? Maybe, just maybe, when we hand over the control from our lives and give it to God... God can see there is a purpose. We'll be able to see a purpose that God's executing, that God's working in our lives. A plan that we cannot see, a plan that we can't can't look at, because right now we live in this world of of false narratives, of past hurts, on beliefs that there's a certain way that we should respond. Let's just think about the idea for a minute. What if God's way and not our own was at work? What would it produce? James is very clear about this in the point that we need to turn to God for all knowledge, for all direction, for everything. But we need to be active to participants. James 5 and in, in 1.5 said, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. He gives all generously and without reproach. and it will be given to him. If we turn to God, God is waiting to give. God's a giver. the giver of love. Now, that doesn't mean that things are always going to go our way, according to our plan. But God wants to continue to sustain us. So let's think about those situations I mentioned. Maybe we were just kept back from an accident when our tire blew out. Maybe the hurtful words from another really weren't directed at me. Maybe they were going through a situation. Maybe they were in pain. Maybe they were in a hurting. What if we've been relying on focusing too much on what we want and not what God wants? He simply wants to show us that he will provide for all we need. Maybe not all we want, right? But what we need. And if we get to that point that we believe that, we can work on changing that cue. We can be strengthened. I'm going to share one more, one more topic On this point, I was recently listening to a podcast, uh, actually one that was recommended by Pastor Mark. It's a really good, emotionally healthy leader. And they talked about um, resilience through deconstruction. When things go badly, not as we planned, in fact, these situations are are important because they help grow us stronger, right? Through resistance, we grow stronger. And the author gave a couple of awesome examples, the first one being a butterfly in the cocoon. So going through the chrysalis stage and, and being ready to emerge from a cocoon, the butterfly will push its wings that have grown against the cocoon to try to split and get out. There's been situations where people have gone ahead and, and cut that cocoon open to try to free the butterfly, thinking it's really struggling. In most of those cases, the butterfly is never able to fly. In fact, it will, will probably just perish. Because that, that strain, that resistance, that difficult time that that larva was going through to get out to become the butterfly was important to strengthen it, to strengthen its wings. The other example that was given that I thought was pretty cool is, is years back, and I could just kind of remember when this biodome, two was built. We had a bunch of scientists throughout the world that came together, and there's this huge biodome built, and they wanted to form their own ecosystem, including a, a seed that had plants and trees and bugs and all sorts of great stuff in there. Well, what they found out is under these perfect conditions, the trees grew really fast, and they were really big. But as they grew taller, they just started to topple over. Now, granted, there's really no wind in there. There's a light breeze that kept fans going. But they would topple over, and they were like, why is this happening? And after they looked into it, they realized that as trees are growing outdoors, there's a headwind. There's struggles. There's trials that push on those roots of the tree that hold it in place. And because of that, they grow stronger. They go deeper. They hold on tighter. That's what God's doing in our lives. He's helping build us, grow us stronger. So, if we can be strengthened in our faith cue, that's the first great step in helping us play our part bringing this world back together. But let's look at another cue, and we're going to cover three of them in total, so kind of gauge where I'm at. So let's ask ourselves another question. How do we deal, when we, or how do we act when we're dealing with others that are in times of trial, in times of struggle, we have people reaching out for help? What does our second cue, our action cue, look like? Do we say we do? Or do we do? Are we doers of the word? When I think of acting like a Christian, this this song pops in my mind, and the last I can remember it, and I'm not going to sing it, so you guys are safe. Um, It was performed by Jars of Clay. It's they will know that we are Christians by our love, right? By our action, by our love. We are one in the spirit, we are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity, our unity will one day be restored. They will know we are Christians by our love. We'll work with each other, we'll work side by side. And we'll guard each man's dignity and save each man's pride. And again, they will know we are Christians by our love. By our love. So we can strengthen one another, we can we can help each other grow, work side by side. You know, as a Christian, I feel like some of the, the, the greatest things we can do, but the most dangerous words we can use are I will pray for you. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a tremendous power in prayer. Matter of fact, it's probably the most powerful gift that God's given us the ability to lift up our needs and lift up others to Him. But are we truly praying? I'm going to be honest with you. I've personally caught myself in certain situations almost reflexively saying to someone, Well, I'll pray for you. I'm really sorry you're going through that, but but I will pray for you. Should I be doing instead? Should I be helping? Should I be offering a, a helping hand in those situations instead? Should we be doing? Well, again, James, like I said, did a great job of explaining these things. Made an excellent point in James 2. We're going to start off in verse 14. He states, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Okay, go in peace. Be warmed and filled, and yet you don't give them what is necessary for their body? What use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. James continues to reference a couple of of well-known people in the Bible uh, in this story. He talks about Abraham. The fact that Abraham was was asked by God to sacrifice his son. Now, Abraham could have said, I'll do it. I'll do it. I trust in you, Lord. And... Left it at that. No, he he did it, right? He got his son. He got his stuff together, the amount of pain he was probably going through at that time. And God, according to his perfect plan, provided the goat for him. And we all know the end of how that story ended. How about another example of, of Rahab? She she lived a, a pretty, pretty rough, pretty uh pretty rough life. And uh, she said that she wanted to to know the Lord, but she didn't just say it, she acted. She put her life, her family at risk by guarding the spies, allowing them to stay with her. She was a woman of action. And I think that's what what God calls us to do. So are we men and women of action? Does a cry from another invoke your fight or flight response? Do you turn away? Do we turn away? Do we say we're praying and walk away? Or do you stand up? Do we take our brother or sister's hand and stay and face that issue together? You know, staying isn't always easy, right? Right? As a matter of fact, it can be downright hard, but we're called to this fellowship, right? We're called to support one another. We're called to be brothers and sisters in God. One church, a church of action. I hope you're seeing how this is shaping our responses, right? How God wants us to act in those situations, how our automatic responses should be, what our cue should look like. And that'll help us. If we can grow our cue, if we can strengthen our cue. We could be more effective at being at peace and bringing this world back together. Because you know what? It starts with us our family, our church, our community, our nation, our world. We have that ability to continue to share God's love because you know what? Just like hate and hurt is contagious, just like we could easily be brought down by negative things, boy, love is awful contagious. You ever try to smile at someone who's, who's not happy with you at that time? I man may have done that once or twice with Amy. Kind of hard to, to get upset with someone when, when they're smiling at you, right so we have, we have that ability to act so well, Church of action let 's look at one final cue: one that seems so small could have a tremendous impact that's our speech response or our speech cue, right what we say, especially what we say in times of intense fellowship. I just had to use that term. I love that intense fellowship we 're not fighting, we're just having an intense fellowship. Thank you, Mike. Do we have a tendency to yell, belittle, or berate, or do we affirm in, affirm in a common manner? James talks at length right, about the power of the tongue, the power of what we say. He likens it to a rudder controlling a large ship. So this huge ship is guided, is steered by this small rudder. Just like our tongue, what we say can control and shape our conversations, our, our relationships with one another talks about it being like a bit in a horse's mouth, guiding which way that horse will go. That, that magnificent beast is controlled by a tug of the rope. Our words have the ability to build one another up or tear each other down. How we respond to one another not only impacts our relationships, but has the ability to shape how someone feels about themselves. So not only are you potentially impacting that friendship, that relationship, you're, you're impacting how someone may potentially feel about themselves. Negative self-talk can even shape the way we view ourselves. It can change our perception of others. We must really, really, really be careful how we speak to one another. James 1 in 19 and 20 says, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. We can't go at it with frustration, with anger. Because what happens To metal, when it's boiled, the impurities come to the surface, don't they? Negativity could come to the surface. You know, we see the same message in Proverbs 15. It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It sure does. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. The mouth of fools spouts folly. I've spouted folly, but I don't want to spout it anymore. When we use caution in our speech, when we listen to the meaning of what someone has to say before we construct our response, we can change the shape of that cue. Right? We can develop that. We can, it takes a, a long time to form a habit. God can restore instantly. But human nature, it takes a while for us to change, for us to grow. There's a process. So what's in your cues? What narrative or narratives guides your life? If you're not pleased with one of your cues, i got some pretty good news. I love good news, right? Gospel, the good news. Just as the idea of a video cue or internet cookies or favorites may transcend into our real-world actions, we have an out. We have a way to delete our cookies. We have a way to reset our cue. Our Savior, Jesus Christ. Not only did he come to earth as God, as man, and suffer and die for our sins so we could be forgiven, he demonstrated how to live our lives, how to live a life like him. He maintained himself in difficult situations, I'd say he was in a couple of difficult situations. He showed love when there was only hate displayed. He hung on our cross, suffered for our sins, and at the time that he was nailed to the cross and hanging there in agony, what did he say? My God, forgive them, for they know not what they've done. He offered that forgiveness, he offered that love. God will restore, he'll clear away that cue, but we need to be an active participant. We need to do our part. We need to grow, we need to change, we need to set ourselves up for success. James 1, 21 through 25. I'm going to read part of this. It says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doer of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror, For once he has looked away, he immediately has forgotten what kind of person he is. We need to, James is telling us to reflect on the law, reflect on the goodness of the Lord, reflect on the word, right? To spend time in making that who you are, part of who you are, so that every time that you have these interactions, that comes out, right? The good comes out. This is such an important message that even Paul, in his letter to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 5, had a very similar comment talking about not only where we spend our time and what we do, who we hang around with. And I'm going to read that. So it starts off in, in uh, Ephesians 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved, and gave himself up as an offering and a sacrifice for God, as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or impurity or greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints, and there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting. But rather give of thanks, for this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. It goes on to say that don't be deceived by empty words, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of the darkness. What I, what I pull out of this, what I want you to, to understand is as it's taken years and years to build our cues, to build our responses. And that all was impacted by our environment and what we dealt with, what we exposed ourselves to. God asks us, God tells us to be cautious, to turn to light, not to darkness. Because light will transform, right? Light will continue to transform us if we spend time in his word. Looking, hearing, listening to good things, spending time with people that have a light mind and a light heart. God will continue to change us for the good and build that cue as a as a positive cue, and we can continue to be that peace to bring the world back together. We're called to walk away from that darkness. His people, we are we're his people, we're his church. Let's listen to only what honors God. Let's be that peace, let's be that difference. So as I close today, I I know I've gone over a lot. I've covered it in a short amount of time. But I want you to take some time to reflect on some areas of your life that might be a little bit difficult. Something that you can take accountability for. Because it's so easy. It's so easy to look at others and say, well, they they acted this way towards me, so I have the right right, to act a certain way. Let's take a second and take accountability for our response, for our cue. Just like God is always there for you, he, he also created a, another gift for us, a gift that we do a really good job with here at Portview, and that's the gift of fellowship. Portview, through our connect groups, has an awesome means for us to, to have that fellowship. For those that aren't familiar with what our connect groups are, they're, they're small groups of, of people at Portview that just basically do life together, right? Through the good times, through the hard times, through the sad times. It's fellowship, it's faith, it's fun. And of course, sometimes, unfortunately, it's a lot of food. So if you're interested in taking that step and becoming a part of a connect group and strengthening yourself with others of like minds, why don't you contact Josh Larson. He can share some more of the information with you about our connect groups. And if you really want to bless us, you could be a connect group leader. We need leaders. Hint, hint. Guys, please stand with me today as we close our service and pray. Let's take some time to reflect on what exactly is in our queue. Is there something holding us back from being that piece of the puzzle, from helping us to unite this world back together? You know, as I close today, I want to pray over with you one of my favorite verses in Psalms. It's my favorite verse. It's Psalm 139, 23 through 24. It's my favorite because it's asking a tough question. It's asking God to expose the darkness, to expose the dirt, and to help strengthen us. So Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you I thank you for all that you do and give. I thank you for the people that you put in our lives. I thank you, Lord, for the heart that you put in all of us, Lord, and you continue to pursue us, continue to form and change us, Lord, even in the most difficult times. Matter of fact, primarily in the most difficult times. And I I pray, God, that we're continually challenged, that we continue to grow stronger through you. Because I know... I know no matter where we turn, what we go through, we always, we always can turn to you for for help, for support, for security. Lord, I ask your blessing on this day. I pray that you will open our eyes to where we can grow. That we live more and more like you each and every day. Please watch over, protect, guide, mold, and move us in your way, Lord Jesus. And I pray this in your name. Guys, when you feel led, please quality, quietly leave the sanctuary. Otherwise, feel free to, to sit, to reflect, to pray, to allow Lord, the Lord God to work in your mind and in your hearts. Be blessed and have a great rest of your day.